Welcome to Big Papa Rob Podcast Story Rewind. I'm Big Papa Rob. Here I rewind the story of a person, place, or thing and tell you where it originated from. Today's story is about a young lady from Missouri who from early in life was a progressive thinker and this thinking was encouraged by her parents. She wasn't afraid of hard work. This woman was a survivor of the Titanic, spoke five languages, studied acting in Paris, crusaded for women's voting rights, ran for Senate, and won the French Legion of Honor for her relief work during World War I. Let's rewind the story of this very progressive woman to her early beginnings. This woman was born July 18, 1867, in a college near the Mississippi River in Hannibal, Missouri. Her parents were Irish Catholic immigrants. Her father was an abolitionist who supported the Underground Railroad. She attended school until age 13 when she began working in a local factory. Low wages and instability characterized the lives of many in her community. She had dreams to move out west, and at age 18, she and two of her siblings moved to Leadville, Colorado. Her and her brother shared a two-room cabin, and she found work sewing carpets and drapes at a dry goods store. During this time, she became active in the Irish Catholic community through her church, In seeing the harsh realities that many gold seekers that had come to the area endured with poor pay and harsh conditions, she soon became involved in soup kitchens and charity efforts. A short time after arriving in Leadville, she met her husband, a mining engineer with respectable prospects but no fortune. After a summer courtship, they were married on September 1, 1886 and moved up to Stumpfdown, closer to where her husband was working. In 1883, when the silver crash happened, her husband, being the primary shareholder in Ibex Mining Company, which owned a mine called Little Johnny Mine, that actually struck gold, they became millionaires. They had the first of two children, a son was born in 1887, and a daughter was born in 1889. With their new money and growing circle of friends, they purchased a $30,000 Victorian mansion in Denver in 1894. They gave parties that were attended by the Denver socialites, but she wasn't accepted by some of the most elite socialites there. She became a charter member of the Denver Women's Club. She also became immersed in the arts and lobbied for women's rights to vote. In 1902, the couple embarked on a world tour that took them through Ireland, France, Russia, India, and Japan. While traveling, she wrote travel articles detailing her observation of the India's caste system for the Denver papers. Her husband grew disinterested in the social life that she enjoyed, and the couple began drifting apart. After 23 years of marriage, they signed a separation agreement in 1909, and she received a 700 monthly allowance, which is equivalent to about $23,000 today, so she could continue her travels and political work. 
They never actually divorced. They remained separated until her husband passed away in 1922. After their separation, she was more independent than ever. She departed for a trip to Egypt, Rome, and Paris with her daughter and some friends in 1912. On the trip, she received news that her grandson had become ill, and she booked a passage on the first available ship, leaving her daughter in London on the evening of April 10, 1912. She boarded the Titanic, heading to New York. I think this would be a good time to let you in on whom I'm talking about today. I'm telling you the story of Margaret Toblin Brown, also known after her death as Molly Brown and or Unsinkable Molly Brown. According to Margaret, shortly before midnight on April 14th, the Titanic struck an iceberg. Margaret was stretched out on the brass bed reading a book when the crash struck her window overhead and threw her to the floor. She heard increasing confusion in the hall, causing her to investigate, and when she saw a man whose face was blanched, his eyes protruding, wearing the look of a haunted creature, he was gasping for breath, and in an undertone, he gasped, Get your lifesaver. She helped fellow passengers make their way to the lifeboats. While helping others onto the boats, she was taken a hold of and told, You're going too, and was dropped four feet into the lower lifeboat number six. Lifeboat 6 was designed to hold 65 passengers. However, when it was lowered from the Titanic, it only had 21 women, 2 men, and a 12-year-old boy. Margaret urged repeatedly for the lifeboat to go back and save more passengers, but was met with opposition from the quartermaster Robert Hitchinson, stating that they had to get as far away from the ship to prevent being sucked in as the ship went down. At one point, she threatened to throw him overboard. Margaret, along with other women on the lifeboat, rowed for hours. At 4.30 a.m., Margaret saw a flash of light from the approaching ship Carpathia, which was the first to answer the distress call. With difficulty, they maneuvered the lifeboat 6 alongside the ship, and they were pulled one by one aboard the ship. Margaret, being sore and tired from being on the lifeboat, began to take action once again on board the Carpathia. Margaret, knowing five languages, allowed her to quickly console and find out the needs of the survivors who spoke very little English. She assisted in distributing extra blankets and supplies gathered by the crew of the Carpathia. Margaret realized that many women had lost everything, husbands, children, clothes, money, and valuables, and needed to start a life in a new country. She rallied the first-class passengers to donate money to help the less fortunate passengers before the Carpathia even reached New York. She raised $10,000 for them. Once word got out about what she did to help the passengers and the impoverished immigrants' passengers in the aftermath of the ship sinking, she had the title of Heroine of the Titanic. Newspapers rushed to interview her. This was the start of fame worldwide. Shortly after arriving to New York, Margaret wrote a letter to her daughter stating, After being brined, salted, and pickled in mid-ocean, I am now high and dry. I've had flowers, letters, telegrams, people, until I'm befuddled. They're petitioning Congress to give me a medal. If I must call a specialist to examine my head, it's due to the title of Heroine of the Titanic. Margaret used her newfound fame for good. Colorado needed her leadership and 
April 1914. For months, miners in Ludlow had been on strike against Colorado Fuel and Iron Company, CF&I, which was owned by Rockefeller. The strike was an effort to gain reprieve from harsh working conditions, extreme hours, along with very dangerous working conditions. Both sides saw her as an ally. She struggled to maintain middle ground between the two sides, but due to her efforts, ultimately, Rockefeller softened his stance and agreed to make concessions, which resolved the conflict. Also in 1914, she became the first woman to run for U.S. Congress. This was six years before the 19th Amendment that granted women the right to vote. She ended her campaign to serve abroad as the director of the American Committee for Devastated France during World War I. Margaret traveled to France and helped establish a relief station for the soldiers. In 1932, Margaret was awarded the French Legion of Honor for her overall good citizenship and for her heroism in relief efforts during World War I. During the last years of her life, Margaret was an actress. She died in her sleep on October 26, 1932, at age 65, in a New York City hotel room. Autopsy revealed that she had a brain tumor. Margaret leaves such a wonderful legacy with her activism regarding workers' rights and women's rights. In 1985, she was inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Side note to my research, also discovered that Margaret Brown was never known as Molly Brown or the unsinkable Molly Brown when she was alive. Molly is thought to have come from a book written about her a year after her death. Unsinkable Molly Brown came from a musical written about her in the early 60s. Over the years, there have been many movies and musicals about the Titanic, and her story has been told in many of them. The one that stands out for me is the 1997 Titanic, where Kathy Bates portrays her. She was a very remarkable woman and genuinely cared about others. I was reminded of her story when researching Mr. and Miss Strauss for last week's podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you come back next week for my next story. The stories will be ever-changing from historical origins of many things and stories of people you may not know their history. And again, I'm Big Papa Rob, and this was Story Rewind, an independent podcast. Story Rewind is produced by Big Papa Rob, edited by my beautiful wife Amanda, a.k.a. Big Mama. Today's music was powerful, stylish stomp rock, by Mark July from Pixabay. This was a Big Papa Rob podcast, 2023.